The Lord be with you. Together, let us pray the prayer for illumination. O God, our beginning and end, by whose command time runs its course, bless our impatience, perfect our faith, and while we await the fulfillment of your promises, grant us hope in your word. Amen. <clears throat> Here's a reading from the prophet Isaiah in the 61st chapter. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now continuing at verse eight. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will call righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. 
This is a reading from St. Peter's first letter to the Thessalonians. It's the fifth chapter, and we're beginning at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
As you're able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 46b. Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. One of the things people love about this season, not everybody, but many people, time together with family. And there's actually a biblical example for this. That's found in Luke chapter 1, when Mary goes with exuberance through the Judean countryside to visit with her family member, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, had just recently received a message from the angel Gabriel that his wife, Elizabeth, even though, as the Bible puts it, she was on in years, and even though she hadn't had a baby, she would be with child. And this child would be remarkable. He would be the one to help many people within the tradition of ancient Israel turn to the Lord and prepare the way for the coming full presence of the Lord. He is, of course, the one we call John the Baptist. In John chapter 1, verse 27, he describes himself as someone who is not even fit to untie Jesus' sandals. By the way, parenthetically, recently one of my kids asked me a Bible trivia question. They asked, did Jesus wear sandals? Pretty good question, right? And the more I got to thinking about this, I, I came back to this Bible passage, John 1, verse 27. And so if John the baptizer, or John the Baptist, if, if he was presuming that he wasn't fit to untie Jesus' sandals, then that means Jesus wore sandals. Makes sense, right? Okay, well, going back to Luke chapter 1. What we have here is two family members who are so excited to see each other. Mary and Elizabeth both are pregnant, both blessed by God. Mary was experiencing God's blessing through God's presence, baby Jesus, in her womb. And when Mary and Elizabeth saw each other, Elizabeth felt something she had never quite experienced before. John the baptizer leapt in her womb. This is a scene of extraordinary joy. Joy. 
On this third Sunday of Advent, we read this gospel story, which in many ways is a story of preparation for the birth of Jesus. It's a great Bible passage for us to reflect on on this third Sunday of Advent, when we light the candle of joy. I think a lot of times when we imagine joy, we think of laughter, smiles, energy, overt exuberance that's shared with people. And many times during this time of year, we associate joy with gifts, giving gifts and receiving gifts. Maybe we have wonderful childhood memories of getting that present that we were just really wanting. And we might associate such a warm memory with receiving something that throughout so much of our life, we associate joy with getting what we want. There is a comic book out. It's a limited series. It's entitled Eight Billion Genies. Now, you need to know, I'm not a comic book guy. I didn't read this. Full disclosure. But the premise of this comic book I find very intriguing and I want to share with you. You know the whole notion of if you were ever to have a genie and you were granted a wish, what would you wish for? You know that whole thing? Well, the premise of this comic book is suppose there are 8 billion genies throughout the world and each person gets their own genie all at the same time. And each person gets to ask one wish simultaneously. What would happen? What if everybody got what they wanted all at the same time? Well, evidently, according to the writers of this comic book, mayhem, because what one person wants would cancel out what another person wants. And what one person wished for over here would go against what another person wished for over there. Is joy really exclusively based upon getting what we want? Certainly there's more to joy than that. There are a couple of other words associated with joy that I want us to reflect on together. I'm talking about delight and happiness. And I'm wondering about the connection between delight, happiness, and joy. Delight, happiness, and joy. A new restaurant recently opened in Paris. You may have heard about this. France, where there are 2.6 billion baguettes sold every year. France, known for their Michelin-starred restaurants. France, known for fine dining perfected and shared with the whole world. In Paris, there's a brand new restaurant that just opened two weeks ago, Krispy Kreme Donuts. <laughs> According to reports, over 500 people waited in line for something that we in Salisbury already know about. Oh my goodness, that warm donut, hot and now even if it's not your favorite, I think you could agree with me that having that first bite 
into a hot Krispy Kreme glazed donut is a moment of delight. It's great. And then just as soon as you bite down and it melts away, the moment of delight is over. And so you have no choice but to eat the whole box. <laughs> That's the thing about delight, isn't it? As enjoyable as it is for right now, it's fleeting. It's tied to the material world, and we can perhaps for a moment enjoy it, but then it's gone. And so I think what happens is we enjoy, so we think, the moment of delight, and we chase after more delight. And we go under the false presumption that if we just stack one moment of delight onto the next, that that will lead to what we think we really want. So during this time of year, I'm thinking about three particular scenarios. Snow falling, decorating, and Christmas cookies. I'm thinking about all three of these. Think about snow falling. That first snow of the season, when you look up and you see the white flakes drifting down from the sky, and you look down and you start to see a blanket of white on the ground, for many people, that's a moment of delight. I, I recognize that there are some people who grew up in other parts of the northern states, maybe even in Canada, and snow means work, means changing your schedule, not fun. But for someone like me, who grew up in a tropical climate, whoa, just a few flakes of snow means I get to go sledding. Which means the moment of delight can turn into an experience of happiness. And then when I get to do that with my family, the people I love the most in this world, and I want to be with it the most, and we take pictures and we look back on it, oh, that fills my heart with joy. What about Christmas decorations? When you look at the beauty of the decoration, regardless of what your taste or preference might be with color schemes, but when you start looking at the decorations, just looking at it might, for just a moment, bring you a sense of delight. You're happy to see it. And when you put this decoration with this decoration, and when your whole home is festooned, you think, ah, this makes me happy. It's brought me happiness. But that can only go so far. Because when you get to experience the place with people, and when you look at this decoration, and when you remember when you got it, and you think about the person who gave it to you, when you take a step back and have some perspective, you can experience joy. Or how about those Christmas cookies? Just a bite of the cookie, at first, might bring you delight. But isn't it wonderful when you have a recipe that you've been baking every year, and you have a memory of baking these cookies with someone special in your family, and now you're baking them with somebody else. 
And when you take a step back and you look and you see the continuity of your family and you take a bite into those cookies and you share those cookies with people that you love, oh, it's so much more than just a Christmas cookie. You can experience joy. Delight, happiness, and joy. There are things in this world that can bring us delight for just a moment and perhaps could lead to an experience of happiness. I want us to be careful, however, because we could think that if we just stacked on more moments of delight through our own effort, that's the pathway to joy. But it oftentimes leaves us frustrated, exhausted, and worn out. Delusioned even. Author Kate Bowler writes about uninvited joy. Meaning there are times in our life that we put effort into creating experiences for ourselves and maybe even for others. And when we can purposely and unsurprisingly experience moments of joy. But then there are other life experiences out there that we would have never predicted or wanted. But here we are. And even in those situations, somehow God can break in and help us experience, surprisingly, the blessing of joy. Christmas Eve is in one week. Can you believe it? As we step into this week, I want to humbly invite us all to stop doing one thing and to start doing another, because perhaps through it, we can experience more joy. I want to suggest that we stop chasing after shallow moments of delight. When they come our way, we can be grateful. But if we presume that if we just chase after more delight here and there, that that's what it takes, just based on our own effort, stacking one moment of delight onto the next, just one more Krispy Kreme donut after the next, one more decoration after the next, no wonder we find ourselves so worn out and disillusioned. What if we just stop chasing after those fleeting materialistic moments? And what if we start giving, sharing, being the conduit for God to bring joy into somebody else's life? Mary and Elizabeth, when they greeted each other, they were celebrating what God was doing. And in the Magnificat, we hear Mary say, my soul rejoices because she was recognizing what God was doing. God's faithfulness to the promises of ancient Israel were now found physically in her life. She's recognizing how through her, God is soon blessing not just the people of ancient Israel, but the whole world. The lowly are being lifted up those who were hungry are being full. There's reason to have joy 
because of God's presence and power. When you and I stop chasing after the trivial moments of delight, and when we start thinking about other people and generously giving and contributing and sharing, God is able to use us to bring about joy in another person's life. When you experience that, you will have joy. You, like Mary, can rejoice in what God is doing in the world in and through you. So many people think that joy necessarily means big smiles, loud colors, and nothing but laughter. So I've come to realize, and perhaps you have too, that it's extraordinary to experience joy in the quiet contentment of trusting in God's faithfulness. Recognizing how good God has been to you, and even in these uninvited moments that we would have never wished upon ourselves, we can still see God's rich blessings. For Mary, the blessing meant God's presence in Jesus. For us, it's God's presence in Jesus. By the power of the resurrection, through the Holy Spirit, we experience the blessing of God's presence. We have reason to rejoice because all is well. Several weeks ago, Mary Allen and I went to a fantastic concert and we heard Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith brought back so many wonderful memories. And we heard songs we just hadn't heard in a very long time. One of them is entitled All Is Well. And it's a song that, to me, represents the hope, the peace, and the joy of recognizing God's goodness, especially at Christmas. I want to read for you some of the lyrics. All is well, all is well. Angels and men rejoice. For tonight darkness fell into the dawn of love's light. Sing alle, sing alleluia. All is well, all is well. Lift up your voices and sing. Born is now Emmanuel. Born is our Lord and Savior. Sing Alleluia. Sing Alleluia. All is well.